All right, Sean Williams here, along with Connor Stevens, here for another episode of the Gopher Report podcast. Uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> lots happened since last time we had the podcast last week, Connor. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the big news, Big Ten football is postponed uh, until the spring, maybe, perhaps, will get to be determined. But obviously, uh, since some shockwaves around uh, around the sports world, and uh, obviously just right after that, the Pac-12 just said, "Hey, we'll we'll throw up our hands and and not have uh, fall football as well, and kind of defer that to the spring." So, uh, obviously, a, a lot of divide on the on the decision. You got three power uh, three power five conferences still uh, kind of vying to have fall football in the SEC, the Big Twelve, the ACC. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, first off, Connor, I'll, I'll go ahead and just ask you, what are your thoughts on all the, the Big Ten uh, postponing football and uh, all that? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot's changed from a week ago when we were last talking, um, discussing what it's going to look like uh, for Gopher football this fall and the season schedule that they just released looked really exciting. Ten Big Ten games, it was going to be something that uh, – no one's ever really seen before in a lot of competition every week. And then a few days later, uh, it's gone all for nothing. The schedule release came at a pretty weird time considering it only was relevant for a few days. So, I mean, compared to what we talked about last week, a whole lot has changed. Yeah, I think you're right. You bring up a good point. I mean, uh, very odd to release the schedule and get everybody just excited, pumped up, and elated. And then all of a sudden, you know, six days, five or six days later, you say, well, yeah, we're not going to have a season now. <laughs> so, yeah, very interesting. And, and uh, you know, you had a little bit of revolt, too. You know, you got uh, Nebraska trying to figure out a way to still have fall uh, football. Ohio State's kind of stomping their feet, too, you know, and uh, – uh, you know, I think a lot of teams were, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of players are disappointed. I mean, you know, it's like you said, when you release a schedule, you get people, you get people's mind frame going, okay, we're going to have a season, we're going to give it a try. And then, you know, a few days later, you pull the plug. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's been a, it's been a wild week, that's for sure. But obviously, you know, uh, I think Nebraska's AD came out today and said, hey, you know, we're going <laughs> to, we're, we're going to stick with the Big Ten. We're not going to try to go rogue or anything like that. So, yep. Uh, yeah. very, that was going to be very hard for them to pull off anyway. Uh, but, yeah, so at least no mass chaos in that sense where, you know, you're going to have the teams kind of defect and try to go off on their own to have a fall season. So, uh, uh, but, yeah, just chime in there. What do you think about all that? And, uh, you know, Nebraska trying to, trying to go off on their own and uh, Ohio State maybe looking into doing the same as well. Yeah, I saw Ohio State put out a statement today, too, that uh, they were going to try to work towards playing in the spring. Unfortunately, uh, that it's come to that. Um, I know a lot of people have talked about Nebraska and Ohio State, and more so Nebraska, especially on the national media, really um, going into them and uh, really giving them a hard time and talking about kicking them out of the Big Ten. And I don't think it's that much of a – I don't think it's an issue. I don't think they were ever actually going to leave and play in the fall. Uh, and leave the Big Ten but um, I don't know it's something for the time being I really didn't have a problem with I mean it was Scott Frost, Ryan Day, 
standing up for their players and what they wanted. Obviously, that's uh, not going to happen now, and it probably wasn't ever going to happen. But um, you saw Big Ten leadership kind of sitting on their hands for the past five months, not really making a plan. And then when it finally looked like there was a plan in, play, uh, plan in place, they kind of just pulled the rug on everybody. So uh, I can see what the frustration was coming from them. Uh, and I understand their viewpoint at, at that point. And I know there were a lot of players, even uh, some guys on the Gophers, like uh, freshman Michael Dixon, I saw uh, chime in saying, we want to play and uh, a few other guys. Um, but what I really like, uh, what I've seen today is Jeff Brown putting out a plan for the spring. Um, and his plan's obviously not perfect, but it shows some transparency. It shows that there's actually planning in place and it puts some pressure on Big Ten officials to not just say, yeah, we might play spring football, but then what are you, what are you doing when you say that? Are you just buying time? Are you actually considering playing spring football or are you just saying that to save face when there's a lot of people mad at you for canceling fall football? So I yeah. really like that Jeff Brom did that. And he, he even acknowledged no, the plan's not perfect, and this is probably not what we're going to do, but at least it's something, and we can build off of it. Yeah, and, right. uh, and honestly, I, after what happened in the past week, I don't have any trust in the Big Ten in being proactive in this matter. So I think it's really cool what Jeff Brom did, and I think uh, we're going to see more coaches like Scott Frost and Ryan Day uh, maybe James Franklin, maybe guys like PJ Fleck who want to play in the spring and want to still showcase the team that they're going to have in 2020. Uh, I think they might chime in and see what they can do to make spring football possible because uh, it's become clear that uh, the Big Ten might not be very transparent with the process of what they think spring football is going to be going forward. Right, exactly. So you're saying let's just go ahead and nominate Jeff Brom as the uh, commissioner of the Big Ten, right? Uh, not quite, <laughs> not quite, but I like, I like what he's doing. I like, uh, yeah, that he, uh, you know, it, yeah. it's like you said, he's got a plan. Uh, we haven't seen a spring plan from the big 10, uh, brass. So, I mean, you know, mm. it, he's obviously taken a big step forward and, you know, he's, he's put a lot of thought into it. And like you said, you know, it's not a full say, you know, not a, not a foolproof plan, but it's something to start with. and something you can kind of build upon and, and, uh, all that, but you bring up a good point, man. Uh, that's I think I saying it's frustrating about the Big Ten's decision for a lot of people. You know, you mentioned that we want to play. You know, that hashtag kind of started circulating around social media after the announcement was made on Tuesday. Um, you know, it just seems like a really quick decision to them. You know, whereas you know you see like the SEC, the ACC, they're kind of they're kind of delaying the start of their season at least in terms of schedule wise, where they're going to start you know, later in September to kind of give themselves a little bit more time to, you know, prepare, you know, and properly test all their players and everything like that. And it seems like that's going really well. I know the uh, myocarditis issues is kind of coming up. That's like another hot topic point uh, about whether to play or not in the fall. Um, obviously that kind of um, just obviously not a medical expert here, but just obviously that kind of happens when you have an infectious disease and uh, COVID obviously is that, um, and so, you know, you've had, I think there's been some players that have suffered from it that, uh, have tested positive for it, but, you know, I think, uh, you're seeing like teams like, you know, uh, colleges like the SEC and I, I'm not sure what the big 12, I think the big 12 is going to do the same, but they're, you know, they're obviously doing heart checks on these kids that do test positive for COVID, uh, you know, in case those myocarditis issues do come up. So, um, I think it was just really weird for, you know, the big the Big Ten. I'm not even going to talk about the Pac-12 because the Pac-12. I don't 
I, don't, I think they were just waiting for somebody to just kind of give up so they could give up too. So, um, but really, really weird, really interesting to just go ahead and just say, hey, we're going to cancel it instead of maybe working with these other Power Five conferences and saying, hey, what are you guys doing for testing? You know, let's get a, get a plan in place so maybe we can make all this happen in the fall. But, you know, that's just my opinion. I don't know what you think on that, Connor, if you want to weigh in on that. Uh, I mean, I agree. I, it's something that they decided within a matter of days after releasing the schedule and letting these kids already come back to camp. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I like what the Big 12, ACC, and SEC is doing in terms of they're not saying we're for sure having a season, but they're at least going to try for a few weeks before yeah. we figure out we're going to keep consulting medical experts and see if it's possible, get some protocol in for travel and see uh, if we can make that just universal throughout the conference. And if it's possible and if it's deemed safe, uh, we're going to do it. But if it, we're going to, we're not just going to stop altogether. We're going to try it out right after we announce it. Um, that's the only thing I didn't like. Uh, they, they let them come back to camp. They, released the schedule and then just canceled it right away but these other conferences are at least trying for a little bit and maybe it doesn't work but uh, they're at least giving a little bit of effort and putting more time into the thought process than the Big Ten did Uh, but I will say if it does get canceled I really feel for uh, these student athletes because there is no worse time than fall camp uh, for football players and if you go through an entire fall camp and uh, it's all for nothing that's re- going to be really disappointing because that's just a grind yeah 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 I mean I, I agree with you too uh, in terms of just at least you know um, making the effort to try you know it's like I said you know the SEC the ACC the Big 12 you know it looks like they're trying their best to get all the research they can do to try to make this happen they're not guaranteeing a season's going to happen but you know what you can you know, in the Big Tw- Big Ten and Pac-12's case, you know, you, you postpone everything to the spring. You don't know if it's going to happen in the spring either. Is it going to be better or, you know, is it going to be worse? Is it going to be the same? You don't know that. So, and, No, it's, it seemed like a buying time tactic, yeah, which, exactly. which is why I like what Jeff Brown did again because it made, it, it made him put some pressure on their planning for the spring. They can't just say, yeah, maybe in the fall and then not do anything about it. Well, you know, I mean, I know Brom, obviously, he was he was at Western Kentucky, which is, you know, a, a school I'm familiar with. And I know, you know, uh, and, and covered. So I know he's uh, he's itching to play football. So it doesn't really surprise me that he came up with a game plan mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah. No, uh, you can say what you want about Jeff Brom. Uh, you can like him or not, but you can't take away that he's a big football guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, he wants exactly. to play. But I think it's kind of, you know, and you bring it, you know, here's another fact too, you know, you got kids coming back to these campuses as well. So, you know, you know, another hot topic is liability, you know, uh, but you've got a bunch of kids on campus taking classes. So, you know, where's the liability if a kid gets COVID, you know, that goes to class or something that's out at a party. I mean, how's a school going to be liable for that? I mean, I just don't see that it could actually happen in that scenario. So if you're, you know, it just seems like to me, you know, all the, these, football players and obviously the student athletes are a lot safer in that environment than they would be anywhere else, you know? So that's why I just kind of scratched my head on the big 10 and the Pac-12, just kind of, like you said, buying time and postponing it. Cause who's to say the situation is going to be the same, you know, it's almost like you're, you're, 
postponing it, kicking, kind of kicking the can down the road, as they say, and, and saying, hey, hopefully a vaccine will come out. Well, you don't know that for sure, you know. Um, yep. so you just got to kind of, like I said, just weigh your options, talk to medical experts, and try to try to make it happen. And it seems like, you know, at least there's some positive thinking among the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 that that can happen. At least they're going to give it a try. And that's that would be something I would like to see the Big 10 and the Pac-12 do. But obviously it, it's not going to turn out that way. Yeah. And I mean, you bring up a great point. Obviously, none of us are medical experts, but you're taking the kids off the football field. You're not taking them out of the dorms and out of their apartments. And now they're free on Friday and Saturday nights to do as they please, as opposed to during the season, uh, they're locked in for games and uh, more focused in the like even throughout the week, they have a practice schedule and uh, classes and tutoring and they're still going to have classes and tutoring and things like that. Uh, But I mean, their weekends are probably going to be less safe from COVID than they would be if there was a football season. So, I mean, uh, I think it's just, they know the liability if a spread of coronavirus is linked to football. Uh, If it's linked to just them being students, uh, it's obviously something that is not in the hands of the Big Ten Conference anymore, and uh, there's not as much liability in there. I mean, obviously, I'm not a medical expert. I don't know that it's safer to play football, but uh, looking at all of those aspects of it, uh, it looks like that these just the student-athletes specifically could be at less even less risk playing football so I don't know uh I'm glad I wasn't the one making the decision obviously uh but um there's definitely some things that I question in the process and um I mean like like you said the kids are still going to be in the dorms and in apartments and going to school like they normally would the only difference is there's no football involved right and you know you're seeing obviously you're seeing you know positive tests come out at different universities and different things like that. I mean, I, I think Northwestern Rutgers had a big outbreak. You know, I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen, you know, among the Big 12 and ACC and SEC if they play in the fall, you know. But the big thing is, is, you know, having protocols in, in place whenever kids do test positive, you know, and, you know, making them quarantine and making sure they get tested and making sure they recover in the right way. But, you know, you know what's going to happen if a season does start fall and then you know you got a couple of kids that test positive you know it's going to be massive outcries and everything like that on social media <laughs> so yep. uh, you know when the when the real factor is is you know they're in the best medical care possible you know I mean I, I think if you're you know obviously if they're playing football um, you know so much testing you know doctors are going to be involved so I mean they're in they're in really good care in that aspect if they do get it you know and, and it's like you said you know you're in a more controlled environment as a student athlete than you are as a student on campus right now. And then there's going to be a lot of, you're going to see a lot of kids probably test positive, just students and everything. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of follow throughout the season if they do have a fall. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, obviously uh, just kind of moving on, you know, obviously big 10 pac 12, they're going to try spring ball. Uh, Is that a real, logistical possibility obviously we kind of talked about Brahms um, schedule but here's the thing too you know you're going to be playing I think according to Brahms schedule I haven't looked at it specifically but seems like it's an eight game regular season schedule Uh, so you got eight games you got 
you know, maybe 10 games in the fall. That's 18 games, 19 games. I don't know, you know, what's going to go on there. But, I mean, that's 18, 19 games in one calendar year players are going to be playing. So, you know, if you postpone it to the spring and you're playing that many games in a calendar year, is that – is that feasible? Is that even possible? Do players when players want to actually do that? You know, so that's another question you gotta you gotta think about when you postpone things and not try to do it in the fall. So, uh, what are your thoughts on that, Connor? Uh, it's gonna be really tough. Um, I think you're gonna see some players uh, redshirt who would rather just wait for the fall season, who maybe don't take a spring season as seriously. Uh, I think you're going to see guys opt out like we've seen a little bit uh, before the season got canceled here. And also, I think a really big issue with it is you uh, said spring game or spring season is eight games, fall season's 10 games. What happens if SEC, ACC, uh, Big 12 successfully get through a 12 or their normal schedules uh, and they're looking to have a fall season? in like normal next year right. uh, things are obviously going to have to change a lot uh, and then you're playing 20 games in one calendar year almost yeah. uh, and that, that just might not be realistic so I mean it's still yet to be seen whether or not the there's even going to be a fall season this year uh, but if there is, I think that's going to make it even harder for there to be a spring season this season for Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 and yeah. any other conference like Mountain West and MAC that uh, follow the Big Ten. You bring up a good point and, uh, and something else, you know, I kind of want to talk about too. But um, how are they going to do the NCAA championship? How are they going to do the playoffs if you've got three conferences doing fall? And say they get through the fall. And then you have the Big Ten, the Pac-12 doing it in the spring. Uh, how's that going to work out? You know, um, I think that's a big question. Nobody's really – I mean, I'm sure people are asking it, but I'm going to ask it too. I mean, how are you going to, how are you, gonna, you know, do that dynamic? What is the NCAA going to say, well, we're going to reward the teams that play in the fall but not the teams that play in the spring? I mean, and the other point is, um, you know, what if – you know, the three that are doing it in the fall, what if they actually make it through a complete season with success? How idiotic is the Big Ten and the Pac-12 going to look that they just bowed out <laughs> and said, we're going to wait till the spring. And then they have, you know, three, three, three power five conferences go through the fall season and not have any, you know, and, and actually go through it. And it's successful. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I, I credit Jeff Brown a lot for pressuring the Big Ten to put a plan in place uh, for a spring season and not just say, yeah, maybe in the spring. But I think the Big Ten also just postponed instead of canceled altogether because they're aware of how many obstacles there are to play a spring season. It really doesn't add up for there to be a spring season. You right. can say it to save face for a little bit, but there's just so much unknown and player eligibility is going to be so different and yeah. you've got kids early enroll coming in January and uh, it's just to go off Jeff Brom's schedule it starts camp starts in January and the uh, season starts late February so are those kids eligible does that that's technically 2020 does that take away from 2021 kids eligibility when they're early enrolling and they're supposed to be in their first spring camp so um 
I think there might be football in the spring in the Big Ten, uh, but I think it's going to be normal spring football and spring training camp. I, I don't – there's just so many obstacles, and I think that was the Big Ten just uh, <laughs> maybe trying to make them look not as bad as they've looked the past few days on the surface. But uh, when you dig into it, it looks like it's going to be really, really tough to accomplish something like that. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it, it's like you said, I think – you know, obviously, if, you know, the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12 decide to go through with the fall schedule and they're successful, I mean, that's just going to be – I think it's going to be like you said, you know, Big Big 10 and Pac-12 might as well just not play in the spring and just have spring practice, you know, because those conferences are going to prove that you can do it, you know, if you uh, take the right measures. And yep. – Playing in the springs for those two conferences, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, is going to be pretty much pointless at that point. I don't know what the NCAA is going to do when it comes to the playoffs, but I know damn well they're not going to say, hey, these teams that played in the fall, you guys can play in the playoffs in May, you know? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess you can, play, you can play the Rose Bowl and conference championships, I guess. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. That's, yeah. And, and – but that goes to, you know, is the NCAA going to, you know, if they do, if those three conferences do get through a fall season successfully, are they going to reward those teams with, hey, you, you know, this is how the playoffs going to be setting up and it's your teams going to be involved. You know, the Pac-12, you know, the, Pac the Big Ten, they're just going to be left out. What are they going to do in the spring, just play conference-only games? It's going to be kind of pointless, you know. I, you know, I don't know what the NCAA is going to do with the playoff situation if that scenario does happen. But, you know, like I said, if they're successful, if those three conferences are successful in the fall, there's no reason for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to play football in the spring, you know. Yeah, and I mean, guys like uh, Justin Fields, what's his incentive to play in the spring right. when there's already been crowned a national champion from the other three conferences right. that are playing? Uh, the draft would be almost directly after the season's over. You got to be preparing. He's trying to be the first or second pick in the draft. Right. I, there's for you're going to see even more big names opt out than there would have been if they played the season as scheduled. So I, there's just so many obstacles to spring football and it's unfortunate. Uh, but it, it's it, just it, uh, it, it's frustrating to see what <laughs> has happened in the Big Ten and Pac-12, but mainly the Big Ten in the past few weeks. Uh, and yeah. Just the lack of transparency and the lack of actual planning and really um, just never really showed much of what they were doing in the decision-making process. And yeah. it, it just seems like they know very well that spring football is more than likely not going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's like – we kind of brought up all the scenarios and you brought up another one that um, that's really big, you know, players opting out players that are draft eligible, even players that are expected to go in the first, just to be drafted, not just necessarily in the first round. We're, we're, we've already seen some players opt out, including Rashad Bateman do that uh, before the season here recently. But those, those guys have first round, you know, first round projections. But when you get to spring and you got, you know, you got Pac-12 Big Ten players that are, you know, even draft eligible, you know, one through seven or whatever, um, you know, those guys are probably going to opt out and just train, you know, why play spring, you know, when you can opt out, um, you know, and just train for the train to go to the combine, um, you know, and train to train to improve your draft st stock and everything. So 
and and more on that, guys like uh, Gopher cornerback Coney Dirt. If he has another season like last year, and same with Benjamin St. Juice, those are two guys that are very draftable corners and guys that can up their stock easily with the season. So say it comes to spring football, but there's going to be a fall season after. also, I could see them redshirting or opting out and just waiting for the fall season. It's going to yeah. mean less, and uh, especially for – training just training won't do as much for them as getting uh 10 to 12 games of real film on them which is what they need if they want to improve their draft stock so it's it's uh frustrating i wish spring football could be a possibility but the more you look into it it's just it just seems less and less realistic yeah i agree and uh you know, uh, I, t- I totally agree with you. I mean, you just look at the logistics and everything like that. And then, you know, you mentioned guys that maybe want to redshirt in the spring and then wait and play in the fall. And then what's that going to do with your numbers, you know, and are you going to have enough players available? You know, what's your depth chart going to look like? So that's a ton of factors to consider, you know. I mean, we're talking about just, you know, if you move trying to play your season in the spring, the dynamics completely change. And, you know, you, you – uh, also putting the factor that you're playing, you know, 18, 19 games, you know, a calendar year too on top of that. So it's mm-hmm. totally, it's totally insane to think about. And I just don't see it happening to be quite honest. And, you know, it seems like we're on the same wavelengths on that, but. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that for next year, I believe the NCA approved this uh, recently today, but I might be wrong. Uh, there's going to need to be a, a loud scholarship increase for next year. Yeah. Uh, because the guys that are, technically going to be graduating and moving on are going to have another year of eligibility I believe that got passed today but I could be wrong um and I mean you're not going to tell your seniors coming back uh who are a big part of your team to move on for these freshmen coming in that are taking a scholarship uh that was supposed to be theirs but is not theirs anymore because of um because of COVID and because they had to take a year off so uh there's a lot of hoops to jump through i just hope that uh uh, they start being a little bit more proactive and transparent with the process and and that starts with the ncaa and trickles down to the big 10 uh so yeah it's it's cool to see people in smaller leadership positions uh try to tackle uh those aspects of it and put pressure on people yeah I, i would like you know that's what i like about at least you know SEC, Big 12, ACC, at least they're trying to, you know, move forward and tackle this this thing, try to figure out how to make it work. You know, I think that's that's definitely, a, a, I guess, a, a quality, a leadership quality you want to see in everybody to try to make something like that work and ju- just try to press forward in normal life. You know, I mean, you can't sit around and be fearful of, you know, this virus. I know it's, you, you know, you ought to be fearful. You ought to be aware of it. But, uh, you know, I think you can also – pull things like this off and uh yeah you can't sit and wait like uh like it looks like they've been doing the past few months right right so uh it'll be interesting to kind of keep up with how this works and uh you know if if um if those big three conferences that are remaining are going to try to pull this fall schedule off and and uh, i'm sure we'll we'll have a lot more to talk about next week whenever (laughs) we have another podcast so but uh yeah, with the way things have changed since last week, I'm sure there's going to be plenty more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, in terms of uh, trying to have a season, we will talk about basketball. We were kind of texting each other before we had this podcast where it looks like 
that could be more of a possibility than football in terms of regularity and the schedule and everything like that. Um, what do you think? How, how do you think basketball is going to work? How do you think that's going to kind of uh, play out this season? I saw a few weeks ago that uh, they were seriously considering bubble models. And then Mark Emmer talked today and uh, said that's something they're seriously considering. Um, I, I think that'd be really cool. Obviously, uh, it paints a picture of what a student athlete is. And if you're forcing someone into a bubble to play basketball, uh, that's there's definitely a line that uh, has been crossed a little bit and you have to address that situation. But I think we're already on our way to addressing that situation. And that's something that uh, has become closer and closer to be being addressed uh, every year. Um, but I, I like the thought of a big 10 bubble and uh, just different conference bubbles. I know uh, he also said in the call that there would be possibly a, sh a smaller tournament field with only 32 teams yeah. in the national bat uh, national tournament um so i don't know it's it's uh it's gonna be interesting but i think they're not gonna let college basketball not happen this year i think uh they've seen what's worked with the nba and nhl and the success yeah. they've had there they've seen what doesn't work with uh, leagues like the mlb when you don't go to a bubble model uh, and I mean, it's a shame that they couldn't have implemented some of this stuff in uh, college football, but I, I think that basketball is going to happen this year. I don't think the NCA can afford for basketball not to happen. Right. I agree with that. Uh, it seems like that's going to be a lot more uh, feasible to happen uh, than f football is obviously, you know, um, I am kind of curious. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Big Ten, Pac-12 is pushing everything. So, I mean, is basketball for those conferences it doesn't seem like they're going to start playing till January, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, saw that. That'll yeah. that'll the couple months delay on the season should be interesting too. I mean, I yeah. don't think they have plans in terms of when training camp is going to go in. Uh, but if it's pushed back a little bit, you got to think there's going to be way less non-conference games, uh, yeah. and and more just a focus on just how well you do in conference. So you're going to see some interesting records in the, especially like big 10 schools getting in the NCAA tournament at like <laughs> just all like close to 500 records. Yeah. yeah it'd be interesting too. And I, I saw this on the bottom line on ESPN cause I had it on baseball earlier, but uh, I saw where obviously like, I think uh, 50, 50 or so teams have been approached about doing a bubble. I've also seen like, uh, seen like I saw on the bottom line that they're thinking about doing a non-conference bubble for three weeks during December. So I guess I guess that would be during holiday break or something like that, which I think would be kind of a cool idea if you do like a regional bubble and have, you know, different teams from different conferences in there. Uh, I think that would be a really compelling TV, honestly. Yeah, I think if they were to do a non-conference bubble like that, it'd be cool to make them – Round like a round robin tournament, everyone plays everybody. Then you seed it and do bracket play, and then kind of do it that type of way for three weeks. And I think that'd be really cool TV. It'd be really cool for everybody to watch, and it would give you enough games where you play a somewhat substantial non-conference schedule. Yeah, I mean that would be like almost like a just a mini NCAA tournament too, you know. So if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of cut the NCAA tournament, the you know the actual one in half, you know, by the teams, I mean that would be kind of a cool concept to do during the season to have like a little mini 
uh, like you said, like regional non-conference kind of bubble, you know, to have teams play each other and then round robin style and then have a tournament. So uh, that, that would be very compelling TV. And I mean, I think if you, you know, you, you think about it, I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, this, this COVID setup sounds like it could be some really good basketball, you know, in terms of matchups and things like that. So, I mean, matchups that, that are kind of hard to get because, you know, you're going to have, if you do a, if you do a non-conference bowl, and granted, obviously, this is hypothetical. Don't know if it's going to happen. I just saw it on the bottom line. But it got me a little bit excited, you know, just because, you know, you could have, you know, smaller schools match up with bigger schools that might not normally play each other and, you know, uh, and, and everything like that. I mean, I think it'd be great. And I think it'd be just like, a, like I said, a mini NCAA tournament before you actually have the NCAA tournament. So that'd be great, man. I, I love it. I love the concept. I hope it goes through, man. Yeah, I'll I'll write a letter to the to the <laughs> NCA and let them know about my idea. But I I mean I just think it's like the NBA bubble right now. I mean there there's so many interesting and exciting things you could possibly do with it. You're forced to be creative now, and uh, like the eight and nine seed playing games for the NBA. That's something I think that uh, people are following so closely, especially in the Western Conference that people want it for next year now yeah. i mean it's uh it's really cool it's made every game today matter so much more uh because there's three teams fighting for it and they need it so uh, i think if there's a college bubble and it's uh even if there's a regional non-conference bubble i think that uh the best thing you can do with that is get really creative and make it must watch tv yeah. which is uh, i think very possible there's so many possibilities as long as you get them playing basketball yeah, and I mean, you talk about name, image, likeness, and things like that. I know that's going to go through next year, but I mean, you talk about how many stars you can make at like smaller conference, you know, smaller schools as well. You know, like a you know MAC conference player of the year. You know, he gets to shine on national TV going up against the big boys. I mean, that's just really, to me, that's just really good TV. So I mean, I'm I'm all for it. Connor, you go ahead and write that up and uh, send that to the. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> all right. Um, I will, I will kind of, uh, uh, well, I'll go, uh, obviously, uh, we'll kind of transition, talk about the big commitment today, uh, just happened, uh, just a few hours ago, but, uh, Minnesota picks up a big 2022 commitment, their first one, uh, Trey Bixby, he's a four-star defensive end out of Ohio, uh, Obviously, uh, a huge gig. He had offers from Penn State, Michigan State, uh, Arkansas, and a, and a few others, but, uh, um, Obviously, he had a uh, had a long-standing relationship with Coach Will, the defensive line coach at Minnesota, whenever he was at Cincinnati last year. Obviously, I think they got involved with him pretty early, so they've had a relationship for about a year now. So, um, you know, that's kind of where <clears> – that was kind of the pivotal, I guess, point in his uh, recruiting process and why he chose to go for So, um, just give us your thoughts on uh, that commitment today. Obviously, they get a big start to the 2022 class. Yeah, uh, it's a like you said, it's a really big start. Uh, he's long, athletic, fast. He had a huge season at a, as a sophomore at a really good football school in Ohio and St. Edwards. Um, and he's already on the recruiting trail. I don't know if you've seen. He's uh, tweeted at Lucas Hare, big uh, recruit, offensive line recruit from uh, Hill Murray, Minnesota, that the Gophers want really bad. So uh, I think he, he's going to be a catalyst for the 2022 class and getting him in early. Uh, is big and when it's someone as talented as uh, Trey Bixby is uh, even better yeah yeah uh, Lucas Hire I'll, I'll mention too I mean he's a newly uh, newly uh, rated four-star on our network at Rivals so I mean he would be uh, 
obviously a big get for Minnesota, obviously an in-state kid. has been to Minnesota a couple times for games. Uh, I talked to him recently uh, and obviously talks very highly of them. So I think they're in a very good spot for him. So, I mean, if you got Bixby and maybe higher, maybe the next one. I mean, somebody asked me on the board uh, not too long ago who they – just kind of a hypothetical question who I thought the first commitment would be. I think it was a question on last week's podcast. I said Lucas higher, but it ended up being Trey Bixby. But I could see Lucas higher being – joining the 2022 class pretty soon. I mean, it's just a – I just think that, you know, being an in-state kid, likes Minnesota, has been there a couple times – I think he could probably pop and join the class at any time. So that would be obviously a huge, huge uh, first couple of steps in the 2022 class for the Gophers, that's for sure. Um, yeah, that would be a huge start. And, uh, I mean, just I, I've been uh, on the Gopher Report for a few years now, and I've seen the transition in defensive line recruiting from the Coach Kill days uh, to the PJ Fleck days and it's it's amazing how far uh, they've come uh, it's it's gotten better almost every single year the 2020 defensive line class is great uh, 2021 has some talent in it and now 2022 is off to a great start so uh, the days of uh, low rated under recruited three star two star guys on the defensive line um, are they they don't seem uh like they even happen anymore i mean it's just a completely it's night and day compared to what it was a few years ago on the recruiting trail on the line yeah. uh so it's uh been really interesting to follow that progression and uh i think coach wilt has been just fantastic and he's a great fit for uh pj fleck and the gopher staff he's high energy uh, he's an exciting coach. He's a great communicator. He's someone that seems like he fits uh, Coach Flex row the boat style very well. Yeah, you've seen he's been very aggressive on the uh, recruiting trail, just uh, you know, offering different kids. And you see them tweet out their offers. They always have him uh, tagged. So uh, usually when you got a coach tag, you got a pretty good relationship with them, at least personality-wise. You kind of mesh a little bit. So he seems like a very high-energy guy, and all the all the kids I've talked to that have, you know, got offers from Minnesota that are defensive linemen, they really talk highly of, of him and his personality and everything. And uh, obviously he seems like he's done a good job at Cincinnati, just uh, kind of getting in early on some of these guys that are, you know, it's obviously kind of paying off now, you know, I mean, he's, he does a good job of, of seems like he's does a good job of seeing film and kind of, uh, kind of seeing potential in these kids early and getting on them pretty early. So that, you know, that might, uh, Seems like it's going to help the Gophers in the future, you know, so. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, and uh, to, to move on a little bit in terms of it's still a recruiting conversation, but uh, the effect of recruiting, I hate to take more shots at the NCAA and all this, but. <laughs> this is what we're here for. Yeah, I guess that's what we're here for. <laughs> but, um, I mean, every time that we've looked at, like, what's what effect is COVID going to have on recruiting? It just keeps pushing everything back. I mean, it's been a dead period forever, and it's going to be a dead period for as far as we can see as of right now. Uh, yeah. I'd really like the NCAA to put in some actual protocol and not just wait for this thing to be over because it's – it's very possible for kids to be taking visits right now and being oh, yeah. safe. And like right now it's just forcing kids to commit to places sight unseen. Yeah. And there's probably going to be more transfers and decommits down the road because of it, because they really never got to know the school and the coaching staff in person. They did it all 
over the phone or on zoom is great and you can get a good, a better feel than just over the phone. But I think that we're at a point in this pandemic that the NCA should be more proactive and not just wait. They should put in protocols, see what's safe. So everyone has to wear a mask. Everyone has to stay this distance apart. You can't have big group recruiting visits like Coach Fleck loves to have 15, 20 kids on a visit and get them all together. Can't do that, but there's no reason kids shouldn't be able to visit schools right now, and you can do that safely. Yeah, look, man, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, man. Uh, There's a bunch of students on campus. There's thousands of students on campus right now. They're moving in or they've started classes. Why can't these kids go on visits? I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, they should be able to. You've got all those kids on campus already. They should be able to visit with their families and try to make the best decision that they can. You know, it, it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. I mean, they keep kicking the can down the road. We, we said that. Everybody says that on Twitter. I don't know why I say it, but, but they do. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's still a dead period. Uh, no in-person contact till the end of September. I mean, what are we waiting for? You know, I mean. And that's what it's been the past three months. They just keep pushing it back. And I mean, you can, there's safe ways to do it. You yeah. can like limit it to three to five kids max. Uh, make sure everyone gets their temperature checked. You can get, if they get tested even better. But I mean, I, I think even that is, um, that might be a little much just, yeah. Make sure they're wearing masks, keep your distance, take right. their temperature, and let's let these kids visit school so they can see where they're going to be the next four right. or five years. But you know, all these kids that are on campus right now, they, they haven't been tested. You know? I mean, yeah. You know, it, it's just one of those things. You open it back up and, you know, you kind of, like we said earlier, you got to try to move forward with life, you know. And so, you know, if, if bad things happen and there's a lot of infections, you know, then we'll, you know, campuses will adjust but I mean you just can't you know like I said these these are really important decisions and you, and you brought up a good point I mean if they do open things back up and and you know kids can visit I mean there's going to be a lot of committed kids that are going to take visits elsewhere just because they didn't have no choice but to commit to a school sight unseen I mean obviously you're doing virtual tours but look man a lot of these kids they really want to take those officials they really want to kind of get uh, a real sense of you know, a, a real sense of, you know, what they're kind of going into. And, and I know some of these kids, a handful of these kids have taken visits on their own throughout the summer, even though you get on campus, you can't have, you know, in-person contact with the coaches. Uh, you can't tour like the facilities, you can't be laid inside the facilities or anything, but you can walk around campus and at least get a feel that way. But, you know, you're not, you're not interacting with the players, you know, like you would on a normal visit. So you, you kind of, it's kind of hard to kind of get the vibe there, you know, when you get to talk to players and kind of get their opinion on how, you know, what it's like to be a student athlete there. You're kind of losing out on that as well. So it's just ridiculous, man. I mean, you know, if we got all these kids on campus and, you know, and okay, it's, we got a dead period till the end of September. If, if there's not anything bad that happens till then, you gotta, you gotta lift that van and you gotta let these kids take visits and make sure they're making the right decisions for them. So. And I'll, yeah, I would love to see the NCAA just put out some, this is what our visit guidelines are. Right. And, and they haven't shown anything that they're willing to even consider visit guidelines. It's just not in their thought process at all right now. And that's, I think that's just irresponsible to the kids that are trying to find a school. Right. Right. It's almost like NCAA and the Big Ten. It's kind of related. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> now you bring up a good point, and I actually had that written down as a highlight, and I, I kind of forgot to mention it, but we kind of go back to it. I mean, that, that's a huge, that's a huge thing with all this. I mean, and even, you know, you know, even in cases going back to the football seasons, whether they happen in the fall or the spring, I mean, that'd be cool to to go on an official and be able to go watch a game. You know, just have them in the stands, just hanging out. You know, I mean, might not be a lot of fans there. But, you know, at least you kind of get the experience. You get to see the team play. You get to kind of see, hey, I'm being recruited to the cornerbacks, see how the coach kind of coaches the cornerbacks, uh, all that, you know. So there's a lot of things these kids are missing out on when they don't take actual official visits, you know, and, and can watch games in person, can interact with the coaches, can interact with the players that are on the roster. You know, it's just a, just a lot of things they're missing out on. And it's, it's terrible to kind of see that they're – missing out on all these opportunities and you know they're making a you know, when they're trying to make a very important decision you know to the, affect the next four to five years of their lives so it's just crazy and I hope the NCAA kind of you know gets their head out of their ass and does something about it here soon yeah that's I mean that's all we can hope for but the more we wait for them to make a decision the more they don't make a decision Definitely uh, and breath on that that's for sure <laughs> no i'm not either but uh hopefully the next time they make an announcement it, it's something good for everybody yeah. but uh all right let, let's move on to something a little bit more positive um i was uh in hopkins this past weekend uh covering d1 minnesota uh, there was an Oklahoma team, Buddy Buckets, with uh, Gopher Target on there. So maybe I'll just dive into that a little bit, get away from the, the our NCAA and Big Ten uh, questioning. Before you do, <laughs> well, I mean, but Buddy Buckets, it sounds like a cartoon character. So I'm kind of curious where that name came from. It's actually uh, Buddy Heald's uh, AAU team. Okay. From, gotcha. from, yeah, Oklahoma based. So yeah, he started. I had to look that up when I saw it. So. Uh, I don't remember yeah. him being called Buddy Buckets in college, though. You know. Mm-hmm. So. No, I don't. I don't know if I ever heard the nickname, but I, okay. maybe maybe he wanted it himself, so he made the team that name. Gotcha, gotcha, but, uh, okay. gotcha. Uh, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start with uh, with D one Minnesota. A few guys I didn't go over last week. Uh, one guy I'm really really high on, uh, and I just talked to his AAU coach the other day, uh, Taman Lipsies from Ames, Iowa. Uh, in the championship game, he drew three charges. He's the best defender uh, that I've seen on the AAU circuit in a long time. Uh, kid plays 90 feet, just pressured defense the entire way. Uh, the way he moves his feet, uh, the way he uses his hands to get steals and deflections, uh, I couldn't even count the steals and deflections that he got. He's just so good at it. He's so active, and his motor's always just running on 100%. They were up over 25 at one point. He was still diving on the floor, trying to save a possession for his team. Uh, and then offensively, he's he's not just a defensive point guard. When I was talking to his coach, he compared him to Aaron Kraft. Uh, and defensively, I saw that comparison, and I think it actually makes sense. You hear that a lot, uh, but he has a lot of those intangibles uh, and just the intelligence and the efforts there as well. But offensively, the way he navigates the pick and roll uh, is 
just really good. He's great at splitting the defense. If they show, he'll split and go through. Uh, if if they're low, he can go over, get around, and find teammates with skip passes or hit the roll man. Uh, he's a really impressive point guard, and uh, he's rated a three-star right now. The school's recruiting him the hardest at our Iowa State and Minnesota. Um, some positive things uh, on with Minnesota on the recruiting front. Um, for him, they've been in all the coaches have reached out to him on the Minnesota staff. So there's good contact there. Uh, he's got family from Marshall, Minnesota, both his mom and dad are from there. So he considers this uh, another home. So Iowa state should be the biggest competition. Schools like Arizona have jumped in lately, uh, no offer yet, but they've jumped in, but he's someone that I think Gopher fans should be really excited about. He's a three-star right now. Uh, but for me, he's definitely on that line of being a four-star. So from D1 Minnesota, who I haven't mentioned before, or at least in the last podcast, uh, he's someone I think Gopher fans should be really excited about in the 2022 class. Uh, and then uh, I'll, I'll move to the Oklahoma team, Buddy Buckets, 2021 point guard Sean Padula is on that team. Uh, Gophers are still interested in him uh, for uh, point guard in the 2021 class. He didn't have the best shooting day, uh, but you can look up his highlights, uh, and he is a very, very good shooter. He's uh, When he gets hot on the perimeter, he's – uh, just dangerous uh, and he's a much better passer uh, than I was able to see because I only saw highlights before and then seeing him in person um, it really highlighted his playmaking ability uh, defensively he's a little bit slight of build um, and he didn't have the greatest performance um, but he talks well on defense uh, and he's a smart defender but uh, he's not not the best defender not the quickest not the longest yeah. Uh, so there's some questions there, uh, but um, I'm also talking to his uh, AAU coach, Daniel Harper, tomorrow, so I'll get a little bit more insight on where he's at in his recruitment and update that on the board as well. Uh, and then another 2021 kid, uh, John uh, Polakaitis, he's on the Illinois team, young and reckless. Uh, he has a go for offer. Um, I don't think he's that serious of a target right now due to his similarities to Gopher commit David Mutoff but, uh, I'll, in the 2020 class. Uh, but I'll just go over him quick. He's a really good shooter. Uh, he can create his own shot really good off the catch and jab. Um, shot selection sometimes questionable, but to be fair to him, his teammates drive a lot and don't look to kick. And he's, a, he's someone that deserves more looks off catch and shoot than he gets so when he gets the ball he usually wants to put it up uh, but again like I said uh, not a super serious target right now in the 2021 class uh, because of his similarities in size position and skill set as a current gopher um, uh, and then another 2022 kid from Lincoln that I saw for the first time is Isaac Trout. He's got offers from Creighton, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa State. Uh, a lot of guys are after him. He's a 6'9 forward, uh, good shooter. He can uh, ball handle much better than you would think that a power forward plays. Uh, he's long. He's athletic. Uh, he's another person that uh, – Gover fans should keep an eye on for the 2022 class and I'll have more on him this week as well. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Connor, you did a really good job at uh, going to another AU event. I think you've been to three, you know, maybe the last four weekends. So 
um, been doing a great job with your scouting reports and, and following up with everybody. Obviously, made the announcement on uh, <laughs> on our message board. David Sisk has kind of moved on from our site. He's got a little bit of a promotion. He's uh, now writing for the North Carolina and Kentucky site. So uh, congratulations to him. Uh, well deserved. So it's kind of kind of for David. It's a uh, it's a uh, he's covering two blue blood programs and it's a uh, a little less work and a little more pay for him. So. Uh, Definitely a tip of the cap to him, and uh, uh, hate to see him go, but understand that. So it's always uh, anytime you can kind of uh, excel in in the in the career, that's always a good thing. But you've been doing a great job, and uh, you're kind of the go-to guy on the uh, hoops recruiting now. So uh, uh, so far, so no pressure or anything like that. Okay? <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, I'm excited <laughs> for the opportunity and for the week that I've been doing it. I've been enjoying it. So uh, looking forward to more of this down the road. Yeah, and uh, you, like I said, you always do a great job at the scouting reports, and you know now you're going to be catching up with AAU coaches and, and getting a little bit more info on that. I will ask you too. You know, you've been to, you know, three AAU uh, tournaments. Just kind of broad base, uh, 2021. Who is you know just for those who might be listening for the first time, whenever we do post this, just kind of run down who their top remaining targets are. Who you think they got a very good shot with, and what you you know what holes they're trying to fill right now. Yeah, well, the number one guy everybody's hoping for is uh, Chet Holmgren from Minnehaha Academy, uh, top three player in the country, uh, consensus-wise, on all the sites. Um, there was recently a Ohio State article uh, that talked about Holmgren and that Minnesota may be the leader there. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Gonzaga is the school to beat. Uh, and then there might be another blue blood in there uh, ahead of the Gophers. But at the hometown school, like we've seen uh, a lot in the past with uh, the big recruits, are usually there till the end. Um, so not too optimistic about uh, his prospects with Minnesota, but uh, it's definitely something to watch going forward. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think the number one realistic guy uh, that Gopher fans should – be excited about is David Joplin from D1 Minnesota. He's from uh, Wisconsin. He's uh, recently named a four-star on Rivals. He's had some buzz for Texas recently, but Minnesota is trying hard to get him to come uh, be a gopher, and they've had some good initial talks uh, after he got a offer – Right when I was in Ames, uh, yeah. that's that Saturday night he got his go for offer then. So he's someone definitely to watch for. Uh, and then another guy that they're still interested in is Sean Padula. Uh, they they want a point guard for the 2021 class. Uh, right now, uh, they're set on point guard bec uh, for the current roster with Marcus Carr. Uh, they got Jamal Mashburn, who can play a little bit of the one and the two. Uh, Booth Gotch can handle the ball as well uh, if you need him to from the forward position, but he also has some experience playing point guard at Utah. Uh, but after that, you have Marcus Carr possibly moving on to the draft because he was close this year to doing that, yeah. uh, and Gotch possibly moving on to the draft. So they're going to want a point guard in the 2021 class. Um so Padula is definitely an option. I mentioned Pulakaitis, uh, but I don't think he's going to be a serious target going forward due to their lack of need for him. He's a good shooter, and if he's a good enough shooter that they think he's a take, um, 
then it's a possibility. But uh, besides those guys, uh, I think we could be moving on to more spring recruiting for Gopher basketball to fill out the 2021 class. Right. Gotcha. Sounds great, man. Uh, like I said, I've been doing a good job and uh, looking forward to seeing the updates on the guys you just mentioned. So uh can uh, look forward to that on the Gopher report. Uh, Connor, we will move on to questions. We had a couple from our uh, loyal subscribers on our site. Uh, Mr. Stroke the Post, he, uh, he uh, asked quite a few last week. He's asked a couple more. It's going to kind of go back to our uh, hot topic of Big Ten postponement from earlier. But uh, um, his first question was, how much long-term damage do you think the Big Ten did to itself by opting out when Southern conferences are playing? I mean, we kind of already talked about it, at, kind of ad nauseum, really. But um, just to kind of expand on maybe what we've already said, I mean, I think it could be, you know, the damage, um, obviously, maybe perception, honestly. You know, you see, um, you know, you see some of these kids, especially recruits, you know, maybe coming out of high school and they're like, well, obviously the Big Ten, maybe they don't uh, take their sports that serious, you know, or, or you know, and so maybe I would like to go to, uh, you know, SEC, ACC, Big 12 school, at least they're, I know they're going to play football on time every year, you know, during the fall, and they seem to have a little bit, a little bit more of a better game plan than, uh, you know, the Big Ten or the Pac-12, so that, for me, I think it's just more uh, perception than anything, you know, and just kind of like what we mentioned earlier, just kind of pushing things down the road and, and not trying to, I guess, weather the storm and come up with a good game plan and try to make the fall uh, fall football work. So uh, that's my answer to that question. Connor, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, we, we've already gone over this a good amount, but yeah. just uh, if there is a fall season that's successfully done, uh, in those Southern conferences, it's going to be a really tough look for the Big Ten. And ultimately, it's going to mean no spring football for the Big Ten because then it complicates everything the next year uh, and plans that, from a national landscape perspective, uh, can't go on if the Big Ten's playing a completely different schedule uh, than the SEC and ACC. Because then how do you have um, – how do you have these – the college football playoffs and the big bowl game. And how can you justify that when the schedule isn't going to be the same? And it shouldn't be if you're making these kids play up to 20 games in a calendar year, because you decided to do spring football and then they successfully played spring or fall in 2020. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I think the long-term damage is only something you're going to see if there is a fall season successfully played in the sec and ACC and big 12. Right. Um, but I, that's why I think the Big Ten might be silently rooting for things not to work out at those <laughs> other conferences. Well, they definitely dug themselves that hole, that's for sure. So, I mean, that's all they really can do now, you know. And uh, it, they can obviously just try to come back in with a better game plan, but I think it's a little bit too late. They would, uh, the damage has kind of already been done, like you said, and I think, I think honestly they're probably waiting for that to happen. So, because if it does, and maybe they'll have a spring season, you know. So, that's mm -hmm. really the only way they can – they can save face, in my opinion. So uh, we'll move on to the next question by Stroke the Post. His second question. Be a little bit quicker to answer this one, I think. Uh, he says, uh, he asks, can coaches travel on Friday nights during the fall <laughs> to come south and scout? I, I, I guess I guess he lives in the south, but 
uh, no, obviously that kind of goes with the dead period right now. Uh, you know, through the end of September, at least for the NCAA's terms, I mean, you can't, there's no, you know, in-person contact, no scouting that I'm aware of, you know, coaches are not going to be able to go out on the road and, and do all that, you know, kind of just the, the same that where kids can't take official visits. So until, until that ban is lifted and there's, you know, protocol or whatever, uh, game plan moving forward, uh, yeah, that's not going to be able to happen until until we hear something from the NCAA. So uh, I don't think you have anything else to add on that, Connor. No, I'm just don't hold your breath waiting for a decision <laughs> is all I would add to that. Any any decision from the NCAA or the Big Ten, please do not hold your breath, guys. That's our, Yeah, breaking. Breaking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, our last question comes from HR Block. I'm going to assume that's maybe where it works. You know, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> We'll ask him maybe. I'll, maybe I'll uh, private message him and just ask if he's a big wave there. Uh, he asks, latest on the New Zealand punter, and is he staying? Connor. Uh, yeah, Mark Crawford from Australia, freshman this year. Uh, as as far as I know, he's, st- he's staying. He's going to play football for the Gophers, whether it's spring or uh, fall next year. I was able to check him out in spring. Uh, the first punt I saw for him was about a 45-yarder that got pinned by itself at the two-yard line, and that was really impressive. But uh, next one was a little bit inconsistent, probably only about 30 yards and didn't take a great hop. Um, but he's got a big leg. Uh, he, he's definitely uh, going to be the starting punter for Minnesota, it looks like, for the next four years. Uh, and, and he's someone – I think uh, you're seeing a lot more schools do – that where they go to places like Australia and the, yeah, these yeah. punting and kicking uh, camps that they have down there uh, and just get guys that were playing rugby and playing soccer and get them into football. And it's there's been a lot of success in college and uh, at the pro level as well with that. So I'm really excited about him. Uh, from what I've seen, uh, he's looked like he could possibly be uh, an upgrade uh, to the Gopher special team unit. So uh, – Yes, I, I believe he'll be uh, playing next year for the Gophers or whenever there's football next. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, you see a lot of that in college football. You know, just these guys that are specifically punters, it seems like. You know, those guys that have that rugby background. I mean, they do really well in college football. You see them, they're, they're punting for a lot of teams. You know, I know uh, Western Kentucky's got one. He's, like, probably the best punter in the Conference USA. So, and he's from Australia. So, it's – it's crazy, you know. They have those kicking academies down there, and they just kind of train them how to how to do that. And you see a lot of, like you said, a lot of colleges go down there and or have contact with those guys down there in Australia, New Zealand, or wherever, and and they grab those guys up, man, give them scholarships. They do really well up here. And if it works out for the Gophers, uh, I would put a little bit of money on the next punter that comes in on scholarship. Uh, he might also be from Australia or one of those kicking camps. Right. Right. Uh, well, that about do it for us. You got anything else to add to our little podcast here? Uh, I don't think so. I think we went over a lot today, as much <laughs> as we uh, as much as we possibly could, given the circumstances. Right, we had a lot to cover, so it was a little longer than most of our podcasts. But like I said, a lot's been going on, obviously, uh, this week, and uh, so we had a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss, a lot of opinions to give, and uh, uh, a lot of a lot of. Uh, a lot of back slapping to give to the conferences and NCAA. I think we've, I think we've done our, done a good job. Any, any other uh, 
any other pimp slabs you want to distribute on this podcast, Connor? I, I think we've handed out plenty. <laughs> All right, man. Well, with that, uh, we appreciate uh, everybody that is on our site, all our subs that listen to this podcast, uh, the Gopher Report. We appreciate you being a part of our site, listening to us, and stay tuned for more. Might have a little, uh, might take a little road trip next week. I'm kind of working on a little something just to give you guys a teaser. If I get things set up properly, I will uh, post it on the board and let everybody know. But we appreciate you guys uh, just being a part of the site and listening to our show and. Um, Stay tuned for the awesome coverage. Connor's got a lot of great stuff coming out. I'm going to have some recruiting stuff coming out. And we'll always kind of stay abreast of what's going on with the NCAA Big Ten and if we're going to have football or not. So uh, appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next week.